Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 29. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Rebellion is as witchcraft. In other words, if you are walking in rebellion, that is the same as witchcraft in the sight of God. Because disobedience is disobedience. I don't care which piece of the pie you cut it from. It's disobedience. Rebellion is just like witchcraft. See, we put our sin on the scale. Well, stealing a Snickers bar is certainly not as bad as homosexuals. And the homosexuals are certainly not as bad as the pedophiles. And the pedophiles were certainly not as bad as the uh, serial killers. We scale sin out. God does not do that. And you should stop that. Sin is sin. Sin is sin. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. It's the same thing. You're rebelling against God. Well, First Samuel 15, 32, Samuel said, bring the king here to me. And this old prophet Samuel, you got to love him. He took the sword and without hesitation, he raised that sword and he hacked Agag to pieces. And he probably did a really clean job. Because Samuel was a priest who officiated thousands of animal sacrifices. And Samuel knew how to use a blade to cut the flesh. Amen. But he never did it on a person. But he knew how to do it. Now, if Saul had obeyed God again and killed the Amalekites, this scene that has happened here of people being taken captive would have never taken place. And at the risk of sounding redundant, I told you that the Amalekites, you got your pen? I told you that the Amalekites in Scripture represent sin and your flesh. And it's important to cut sin off in your life quickly. Somebody say amen. Romans 8 tells us to mortify the deeds of the flesh, doesn't it? The Bible doesn't say turn over a new leaf on life concerning the flesh. The Bible doesn't say rehab the flesh. The Bible doesn't say reform the flesh. The Bible doesn't say resurrect the flesh. The Bible says put it to death. Now question, is there something in your life that God has shown you to get rid of? Is there something in your life, is there an agag in your life that God has shown you You need to hack it to pieces because it's the flesh. Again, the Amalekites, Agag, represents the flesh. Is there something God has shown you that you need to get rid of but you haven't dealt with? Something you need to hack to pieces. Maybe the thing that needed to be hacked is that someone that God has shown you isn't healthy for your relationship with him. Maybe bitterness or envy or jealousy or covetousness. All of these things are the flesh. And you can't allow that agag to live in your mind. Here's how it works, and then we're going to move on. If you don't kill your agag, your agag will kill you. 
And that's what we're going to see when we get into chapter 1 of 2 Samuel. If you don't kill your Agag, your Agag will kill you. So what you need to be asking God is, God, what is my Agag? Are y'all hearing me? God, what's my Agag? What is it is that thing that I need to hack into pieces because it is keeping me from reaching you? It is keeping me from getting to that good plan and purpose that God has for your life. I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. The thoughts that they're good and they're not evil to give you a future and to give you a hope. God is not the author of confusion. If you feel confused, that's not the Lord. That is the devil. And that just simply means something needs to get hacked. You need to get the hacking something. I don't know what it is, but you need to get the hacking it. And if you don't know what it is, then you ask God. You notice, David, I'm getting ahead of myself. David, inquire of the Lord. David goes from walking in the flesh, complete disobedience, complete rebellion. You name it, David was doing it to say, enough is enough. I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And all of a sudden, we read, he inquired of the Lord. Finally. And when he inquired of the Lord, guess what? Thank you. God answered. He says, if you seek me, you'll find me. The problem is we're not seeking him. We want him to tell us what we want to hear. So we don't seek him. We ask him and then we walk away before he gives the answer. Because if you seek the Lord, I don't know about you, but I know what my Bible says. If you seek the Lord, you will find him. You will find him. What's your Agag? I don't know. Don't ask me. I don't know. You know. And if you're honest with yourself, you know. And God will help you. You don't have to do the hacking by yourself. He's given us the spirit. We can do all things through Christ because he strengthens us. You don't have to do it by yourself. Look at verse 2. Chapter 30. Look at verse 2. The Amalekites didn't kill anybody, but they took the women and the children. They carried them away. In verse 3, when David and his men got to the city, it was burned with fire, and all their women and children, boys and girls, were gone. Here's something we can take away from here. No guard, no fortress, no watchman can make you secure if you're outside of God's will. Psalm 127.1, write it down, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, somebody read it with me. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Listen, no fortress, no watchman, no guard, no, no, nothing can make you secure if you're outside of God's will. I told you that David has been running for 10 years and he's getting further and further outside of God's will. And now he's starting to feel it right now. And it's easy for us to read this and think, wow, what a shame. But just put yourself in David's sandals for a minute. Put yourself in the men's sandals for a second. 
They come home to find the entire subdivision has been burned. Their wives are gone. Their kids are gone. Everything is in a heap of ashes, and they're just standing there looking. I can't imagine how they felt. And again, I told you I titled this sermon Demarcation because this chapter and this scene is the point of demarcation in David's life. David is starting to see the ruin of his self-will. Now I'm talking to somebody. It's right here. David decides to turn back to the Lord. It's approximately 12 years now that David has been in God's seminary. For David, he's finally getting it. He's getting it. It's during those 12 years in God's seminary, or I call it getting your BSD degree, the backside of the desert. Because every person that God uses, every person that God uses, you got to have that degree or you can't be used. That's why it's so hard. That's why it's so difficult. And that's why the race is not given to the swift nor the strong, but to those who endure until the end. Because everybody can't make it. If God's going to use you, he's got to prepare you. God doesn't use unprepared vessels. Are y'all listening? He doesn't use unprepared vessels. He only uses prepared vessels. And in order for him to use you, you got to go through the wilderness. You got to go through God's seminary. And God's seminary is trials and tribulations and problems and stuff and people and people and people. And what, saints? People. And it ain't easy. But when you graduate, then God's able to use you. Well, David seems to be in the graduation line right now. He's graduating. He's finally getting it. He's learning. He's realizing that to step away from God's plan and purpose for anything else is not good. To step away from God's purpose for your life will only bring you pain, heartache, slavery, and destruction, and ashes. Because when you step away from God, listen, saints, I'm just trying to help you how it works. When you step away from God, you step toward the enemy. And when you step toward the enemy, nobody's free. They've all been carried away. Everything is in ruins because the enemy comes to rob and to steal and destroy. Well, in verse four, look at it. David and the people lifted up their voices. Did y'all get this? And they wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever, or do you know someone that they, or have you ever wept till you have no more power to cry? I have no, I've seen it, unfortunately, I've seen it where people are so grieved. Someone passed, someone sick, some horrible, horrible, horrible news that your child was in a fatal car accident. That doesn't seem natural. It doesn't seem natural that you should bury your child. That feels unnatural. Sometimes that's what God does. That's his doing, not ours. It would never be ours. But you feel that kind of pain where you weep till you can't weep anymore. You weep till you can't stand up. 
You weep till you can't eat. You, you weep till you, you're weeping till there's no tears coming from your eyes. This is the place that these people have come to because keep the scene. They got back to Ziklag and the city had been burnt to ashes. At this time, they don't know that their wives are alive. They don't know their children are alive. They don't know that, 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 they're, 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 that their loved ones are, are, are alive. They don't know that. They don't know that the, their loved ones have not been burned in those ashes. Put yourself in their sandals. You walk up to your subdivision and everything is burnt. Everything. And they wept and they cried and they got angry and they got angry at David. And why they got angry at David? Because they had no business being in Ziklag. That's what I told you three weeks ago. They had no business. David had no business being in Ziklag. It's a Philistine city. What are you Christian doing in a place of unbelievers. You don't have no business being there. That was a problem. They had every right to be angry at David. They were so they weren't angry at him. They wanted to kill him. And in my sanctified imagination, I just wonder when David looked at them, after they realized that the city had been burned and their children and their wives are gone. I wonder, did he see in their eyes the same look that he saw in their eyes in the cave of Adullam when he met them? Remember, he was hiding in the cave of Adullam. And these guys show up. At that time, it was 400 in debt, distressed, and discontent men. And they were beaten and Saul had made a mess of things and they were burdened and they were sad and, and distressed and discontent and broke. And disheartened. And I got to wonder, did David look in their eyes and see that very same look? And as a leader, I get it. Because David was their leader. Y'all got that, right? And I get it. When you're a leader, you're responsible for people. Feel responsible for people. When you've been doing it for like 20 years, it's like you really feel responsible for people. I don't want to feel responsible for people. Some of the people I'm responsible for, I don't even like them. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm But I got to be responsible to them because God sent them here. It's not a matter of what I think. We are the sheep of his pasture. And as a pastor, I'm responsible for you. And I feel, listen to me, serious. I feel responsible for you. 
I really do. And the Bible says that I am supposed to feel responsible for you. I'm supposed to watch over your soul. That's what I'm supposed to do. And you ought to thank God for that. I ain't saying thank God. Don't get me wrong. Don't go and try to gas myself up. Don't get me wrong. I'm just telling you, as any pastor, as any leader, as David would, feel responsible to these people. So I feel responsible to you. So David, I get it. And now they want to kill you. And they have every right to feel that way. Because you put them in this situation. Look at verse 5 and verse 6. Where does the time go? Look at verse 5 and 6. David's two wives, did you notice that? The Holy Spirit had been sure to tell us David had two wives, which means double trouble. Let's move on. (laughs) Ahinoam, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of the fool, Nabal. Remember? Interesting, in many respects, David had become Saul. He turned away from God's plan and God's path to do his own thing. And now these 600 men who David has been fighting alongside for 16 months are turning on David. Verse 5 and 6, look at it. They want to kill him because David is in disobedience. In his disobedience, he has caused the capture of these wives and their children. And this is big. You got to listen to this real fast. Listen. You got to understand something about warfare. When you're in a battle situation and having gone to Desert Storm, I, I, I understand this. When you're in a warfare situation, you're in a battle situation, the men in your troop or the men in your company, they become your family. And if you've been in battle, am I right about it, Lance? They become your family. Yes, you have a wife at home who wants you to come back. Yes, you got kids at home who want you to come back. But right now, we got to stay alive so we can get back. And the guys around you, they become your family. In a war situation, they're all you have. Yes, it's your desire to get back home. But for the time you're in battle, these guys are your family. I think of, you know, the troops in Iraq and Syria right now. They, they are each other's family. So David is looking at them, and, 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 and maybe he, he's thinking, I let my family down. Because they have all now become family, and they're angry at him. Well, finally, after this time of doing his own thing, you notice you're entangled, you're captive, you're, di- you're, you're disheartened, and people want to kill you. David had a revelation. What's that? Turn to God. This is exactly where God wants him. Somebody say amen. Verse 6 is a good thing. Write that in your margins. Verse 6 is a good thing. David was greatly distressed and probably just tired of it all. Just tired. David encouraged himself in the Lord. And one thing about David, you got to give it up to him. In all of his mess and all of his disobedience, marrying multiple wives, walking in sin, wherever David finds himself in extremity and extreme circumstances, unlike us, David turns to the Lord. In all of David's sin, search the scriptures, he never turned to another God. He doesn't turn away from the Lord. This is good in the eyes of God. Well, David said to Abathar the priest, bring me the ephod. This is David turning to God. David asked the Lord in verse 8, God, do you want me to go after them? God said, pursue. You will overtake them and get back your stuff. And this is the first time David has prayed in 16 months. And don't you get the sense that David is back to David? 
He's been broken. I was talking to Elvira about this last night, and I said, I, I, I got to wonder, does David, like, in all of this mess, is he thinking, I can remember when I was a, just a shepherd boy sitting on the hill all by myself with my guitar, and I'm just singing, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty, the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple, the temple of the Lord. That's a psalm that David wrote. And does he remember the time he was just sitting out there just playing? The, and then all of a sudden Samuel shows up and says, you're the one, you're the next king. And from there to here, how far hast thou fallen? And you and I need to look at ourselves. I'm going to let y'all go. I get it. We need to look at ourselves and say, how far have we fallen? How far have you fallen? Don't you remember when you were excited about church? Don't you remember when you were excited about the Lord? Don't you remember when you were like, I, man, I got to get to church. I got to get there for worship because worship is important and I get there for the word. Now, and now you just, oh, well, well you know, well, I'll, I'm on my way. I'll get there. You came to the house excited about the Lord. Don't you remember? Don't you remember when things as a Christian was simple? And you weren't questioning everything. All day, every day, questioning everything. How about stop questioning and start trusting? How about, how about that? Stop questioning everything. I just, I, I was telling a friend the other day, I said, when you read the Bible, you try to read the white space. The white space is between the lines. Not the words, Read between the lines. What's the backstory? What is the heart in the text? What, is, what, what would you be thinking if this happened to you? Because these are real people. So how would you feel? I would think at this point, David's like, how did everything get so crazy? I was simply loving the Lord, and all of a sudden now I'm Acting. Now I'm an actor. I'm acting for anybody who's looking for a show. Right now it happens to be Akish. David's like, at this point, right now, I'm tired of it. I'm done. I'm turning around and going back to the Lord. And it is really interesting as you see in the scriptures, when David decides to turn to the Lord, the Lord receives him. The Lord doesn't tell him, you know, David prays in verse 8 and says, God, shall I pursue? And God answered. I love that. After all that time, David prays and God simply answers. God asked, David asked, shall I pursue? God said, go get your stuff. Interesting. You see that? Okay, here's the white space. No rebuke. No lecture. God doesn't say, uh, excuse me, have we met? <laughs> God didn't say, no, I, I, David, I can't trust you anymore. David, I'm going to put you on probation for six months. God's not like us. 
we would say, you know what, you haven't talked to me in 16 months, I ain't talking to you for another 16 months. Now, take that. <laughs> or, well, I forgive you, but I ain't going to forget. Y'all know y'all like that. Look at me. I forgive you, but I ain't going to forget. Listen, when you decide enough is enough, I'm tired of running, I've run out of options, and you turn to God with a sincere, pure heart, God is standing right there. David said, God, shall I pursue? God said immediately, yes. And David now is on the upswing, finally on the upswing with the king. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.